Welcome to the Reinventing Finance podcast hosted by Tom van der Lube and Nicolaus Sür. This podcast is for anyone who's interested in the developments of the InsurTech, insurance, fintech and finance market. Join us as we discover what some of the current industry leaders and decision makers are doing, the lessons they have learned, the main challenges and opportunities they identify and how they see the current status of the insurance and finance industry. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome to another episode of Reinventing Finance. Um, I'm very glad to be here with my co-host, Tom, and our next guest, Stephen. Stephen, welcome aboard. Very nice to be here, Nick. Thanks very much, indeed, and nice to see you too, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. Stephen, um, why don't you briefly introduce um, yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Uh, so I'm Steve Mendel. I'm the CEO and one of the two co-founders of Bought by Many. Bought by Many, amazingly to me, is eight and a half years old. Uh, we set it up in September 2012. And for the last four and a bit years, we have been focused exclusively in and around the pet insurance space. So we launched into pet insurance in February of 2017. Uh, we launched into Sweden uh, in July of 2019, so a little over 18 months ago. Um, and I'm delighted to say that we launched into the US in March, so last month, a few weeks ago. Really exciting for us. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I guess um, you've been around the block for a while. Um, <laughs> Does that mean that I'm very old? No, what it means I've been around the block for a little while. Well, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe I am a little, a very old. I'd say you founded an InsureTech whilst we weren't even having the discussion whether it would call InsTech or InsureTech. Maybe let's- Correct, before that, before that, even before that. Even before that, right? So hopefully that is a diplomatic way of kind of getting out Thank of the you. hole I just dug. Um, so, and, and for me, you are the, um, you know, I, I love MGAs, I love target groups. And it's always, you know, you, if you think about that, have a look at what Bought by Many is doing. Um, what I didn't know was that you only rather recently, you know, halfway through your um, journey, decided on pet. How did yes, that sir. came to be? Why sure. was that decision-making like? Yeah, good, good question. So when Bought by Many started, uh, as the name might suggest, <laughs> we created communities of people who had similar but niche insurance needs. Um, so examples might have been um, pet insurance for Labrador owners, but also included travel insurance for diabetics and uh, personal accident insurance for commuting cyclists and professional indemnity insurance for mobile hairdressers. And we built these communities uh, using search and social tools. And our agenda was to get access for our members better insurance. Mm -hmm. where we defined better insurance as something about product, something about price, and something about customer experience. And so we set out to try and get this three dimensions of better for each of these communities. And we were very successful in getting better price. We were occasionally successful in getting better products, but we were never successful in getting better customer experience. And so what happened was that when individuals joined our communities using a search uh, device and usually on a mobile device as well, um, they would have a very rich, engaging experience. And then they would click through from our site to the underlying insurer's website, and then it would all go horribly wrong. And yet people still tried to claim from us, to complain to us, 
to renew with us, even though we weren't the insurer and they had a policy with a often a household brand names insurer on the top of it. And so we learned a bunch of really interesting things from that. So firstly, if you want to do better, you've got to start again because what currently is out there just doesn't doesn't do better. And secondly, brand counts for very little. So um, over a series of, of moves over 2015 and 2016, we went from being this introducer to being a, a, an insurance provider. And, uh, and how did we decide where to focus? This was super easy decision. We ranked, we, at its peak, we had 330 different communities, uh, a million different members introducing to, I think, 31 different insurers. And we ranked all of those million members in terms of levels of engagement they had with their community and with us. And, and the ranking was very clear. The, top, the, the most engaged communities were pets, second were travelers, third were small businesses, and fourth were cyclists. Mm -hmm. So this was our product rollout strategy. We were going to start with pets, move on to travel, then small business, and then cyclists. And so February 2017, after these several moves that we made, um, was the stepping stone to other things. And, uh, and then in January of 2018, we launched uh, into niche travel. Uh, and then in April of 2018, we launched into, into uh, small business insurance. And, uh, and everything was going incredibly well, yet the pet was growing much, much faster than anything else. And frankly, too fast for us. We were a small business at the time. And so at the end of 2018, we took the decision. It was a really tough decision at the time, although frankly, looking back, it feels like an easy one or it should have been an easy one. We, we took the decision to shut down travel and shut down the small business and focus exclusively in and around pet and aim to be the world's leading pet insurance provider. It's not possible to be the world's leading anything from just one country. So, so therein uh, began our, uh, our moves overseas. Uh, as I've said, um, Sweden followed about eight months later, seven months later, uh, and the US last month. So we're very excited about all of this and, uh, and don't at all uh, regret any of the decisions. Uh, I like to think about it as focus. So we started in focusing in lots of different things. Then we focused in three areas and now we focus just in one. Awesome. That's um, may, I, may, I ask, may I ask if you if you did consider to change your name? So sure, and, and we have and we are. So in the US and in Sweden, we are called Many Pets. Mm -hmm. um, um, so we've taken the many from Bought by Many and put mm -hmm. the pets piece on the end. But let's say I mean for the whole company. So the, the, whole, the, the actual, the overall company is called the Many Group Limited. Um, so, no, but, but, but you could also you could also change your name in the UK as well. Oh, for sure, we definitely could. But we did have you think about this? Or? Well, we have incredible following in the UK, um, and you know we we insure now nearly half a million pets, um, which has really fantastic brand awareness now for us. Um, so any decision that we would make about changing name would would be a very tough one. Okay, fair enough. And, and names, as we know, don't really mean a lot um, as long as they are memorable, pronounceable, and, and people really genuinely understand the connectivity between them and anything else. I mean, like, you know, why would Amazon be a delivery service or Apple a, a manufacturer of, of laptops and computers and watches and mm. iPhones? Yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting. I remember because our family business um, was classic car MGA and they were called Aldi Car Cover and then they branched out and at some point they shortened it. But I think 
um, I'm, I thought it was quite interesting what you said, and if you could elaborate, you said grant doesn't account for much in insurance. Could you elaborate a little bit um, what you mean? So, by so I think I think what I said was brand doesn't count for much. So so the, so the the rationale for saying that was at the time when we were multi offering multiple different insurance policies from multiple different providers. Consumers didn't decide to buy or not buy on the basis of the brand of the underlying insurer. So even though many insurers, and we were only in the UK at the time, were spending tens of millions of pounds building brand and sponsoring football shirts and, and putting adverts in the Sunday newspapers and all this kind of thing, actually consumers were saying, uh, really that's kind of very interesting, but not really relevant to us. Mm -hmm. um, what's relevant to us is we want a great product provided in a great way that we can use. Um, and you know it's got to have a sensible pricing on it. Um, and then past that, we're just as interested in what the reviews say as the name on the front of it. Mm, okay. Okay, that's interesting. And, and this has absolutely created the opportunity for new players, not just in the insurance space, in, in many, many, many different walks of life where new players have as good a chance of success as incumbents who are, who are, who are lumbered with very expensive costs that they have to cover. Mm -hmm. yeah, I understand. I just on on that initial um, anecdote that you've meant. Could you, when you said they had this great great engagement experience, and then you had a link through, and then things went horribly wrong? Do you can you put some numbers behind it? So I would have assumed that by the point that you've went through the whole discovery cycle, yeah. um, you know, of insurance, and then. Yeah, you know, it's it's not great, but it's hopefully, you know, not not painful. Can you can you kind of see that we've sure. lost so, thirty percent because of their website being rubbish? Or oh, something? so so I mean, I can tell you that the lion's share of the customers, the vast majority, were joining us on a mobile device, mm -hmm. and the vast majority. So this is remember, this is 2013, 2014, right? The vast majority of insurers did not have mobile flexible. Uh, quote and buy processes so so you'd have consumers kind of like going oh my god like, like i need to stretch the screen to find the click or the, the next step button because they like nothing nothing was rendering appropriately for a mobile device and uh, and so what we got was a load of complaints saying i wanted to buy but i couldn't even find where to enter my credit card details and that was not because you couldn't enter the credit card details. if you did it on a large screen that would have been fine right but the point is that most people were not um, and, you know, truth be told, I, I was sitting a while ago with one of the larger price comparison sites and the problem still persists. Mm. It's Absolutely. It, it's quite unbelievable to me. And price comparison is a particularly big problem because they're trying to get an enormous amount of information onto a 5.4 inch screen. I mean, there's not a lot you can do in that very tiny space and still make it legible. Yeah. But, but what, they, what they were mentioning at the time, they were like, they were seeing more traffic through mobile. And because of the way the UK um, price comparison sites, they still pass through a lot. So you don't quote bind on the price comparison site, I believe, right? Correct. Yep. They saw a significant drop on the mobile yep. traffic. Right. So exactly. This, this, is exactly, this is exactly the same thing, right? This yeah. is exactly the same analogy and works in exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, these 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 days. Um, I guess segueing a little bit into 
um, and you've mentioned it, you know, your journey and um, you've, I believe if I got my, my dates right, I think in 2017, you started taking venture funding. Um, is that the correct? Yeah, so, so, so our A round was October 2016, in fact, but yeah, but okay. close, um, led by Octopus uh, and Munich Re participated in that round. And, and can you tell me a little bit around what that decision um, was, was, was like? Um, why, why did you arrive at that point? You had a, you know, a working, a working business. What, 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 yes. Did something change or was this? So, so no, it was really about creating more firepower mm -hmm. to grow faster. So, so was it necessary? No. But was it necessary for growth? Yes. Um, and, and, and I think that that's how we think about venture funding. If you haven't got compelling unit economics, there's no point doing more of it. Um, so, but, so get your unit economics right and then grow as fast as you can. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's funny that I think there's different philosophies around it and time will tell, but I, I do agree that um, there is, um, I think that you need to figure out your unique economics early on and don't hope for the best later. Right. It's much harder to fix these things when you're in multiple countries with tens or hundreds of thousands of customers than it is to fix them and get them right and then replicate from there. I mean, what, what I found is, and it's a little bit, you know, um, similar to, you know, when do you, when do you get your, culture right you know when do you how do you how do you spend how do you you know are you more of a frugal more of a spending i believe that you know you set this you set the path pretty early on um i would imagine that you know being more unit economic you know unit economics focused is harder when there's more money around um and you know you need to move faster um you know it's just tougher I'd argue. So getting the basics. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it depends on the agenda of the, of the VCs that have put the money in the first place. So one of the big advantages of doing things in the private markets is that you can do this to your own heartbeat, to your own agenda without doing so in the public markets where everyone can see what the hell you're up mm -hmm. to. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, we've made some mistakes along the way. We've had the, the flexibility to get on and fix them and we have fixed them. Um, and when you do that in the private market space, it's very easy to take the time and do it properly so that, um, you know, for the future, when you replicate from there uh, and scale from there, you know, you've got it right because you've built it on a sensible bedrock. Yeah. Totally. I just I just wanted to add um, something. Uh, if people are interested in it, I don't know if you know the, the very famous interview of Brian Chesky. Uh, Masters of Skill, that's the podcast of Reid Hoffman, and, and this episode is called First Unskill Before You Skill, and that's exactly what you're just uh, explaining. I have never listened to that, but I'm okay. delighted that Reid Hoffman it's, thinks it's, this is it, the right it, thing it, to have done. It's an excellent, excellent podcast, and it's about Airbnb, and they, they first sol have to solve the problems in New York, uh, but, but there are a lot of startups, they, they skill. And, and if, you, if you have not solved your problems, you're not going to solve them by expanding in other markets or, or, or growing very fast. So I just wanted to add yeah. uh, this to, uh, to your comments um, because this is a very classical problem because there's just too much money in the market. Right. So it's, 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 it, there's too much money. There's not, an, it's not that, that there is a, there's not enough money. So, um, and, and there's high valuations. 
And so, and that, that, that makes it very tentative to, um, to take too much money too early. Yeah, and, and, and because there's a lot of money around, it's very attractive to, to do so. Uh, and, you know, and there's a lot of um, pressure to take on lots of money. Yeah. So I guess kind of from just out of interest, because you're, it's already it's also uh, stating, you know, Britain's most trusted pet insurer. I had you flagged as an MGA. Do you have an insurance license? Um, Okay. We are not. We are not an insurer. But thank you for that uh, uh, splitting of hairs over the words. Um, the we are not an. We do not have a carrier license. Um, we are an MGA. You are completely right. Um, the uh, the actual award is for Britain's most trusted pet insurance provider. Okay. Um, and uh, but consumers don't understand this word provider, okay. and it's completely irrelevant to them. Um, and. And actually, largely um, is is an unhelpful extra word because it's just confusing. Yeah. And if you if you if you just put it on on the screen like this way, you can always say no provider was just it's the <laughs> yeah. next it's the next line. It is. It's absolutely it. somewhere down there. Yeah, it's, it's just some doubt. Uh, you know, actually, funnily enough, it actually uh, does say it. I don't know if you I don't know if you could see this. Thousands of owners voted us the most trusted pet insurance provider in yeah. the Money Wise Customer Service Awards. So there you go. Yeah. It definitely does say it. Yeah. Job, it's, job done. Yeah. It's like in the uh, US adverts when they then get very fastly, you know, do the yeah. kind of fine print uh, on, yeah. on medication. And Nick, thanks for picking up on that. You just put a disclaimer somewhere on your website. Yeah. So. Um, no, I think that's so. So, in, in, if you were to advise, let's say I'm, let's, let's take two scenarios. Let's say I am a insurance executive. And I'm in charge of growth, right? And we, the two of us have a beer and we have a trusting relationship. And you'll say, um, and he's like, listen, I have, I'm, I'm responsible for new revenue. I really like the MGA model. I think I'm going to get it through my board act. What, a, what, you know, what pieces of advice could you give me in terms of, you know, what product distribution, what to focus on, any, any sage advice there of someone who's kind of walked the trail? And just to be clear, you're talking about the specifics of MGA versus carrier. So what I'm basically, let's say I'm in charge of a, um, I wanted to run through two examples. As an insurer, starting a new business and being kind of similarly independent as an MGA would. Yeah. Um, and the other one I'm going to ask if I, if, you know, what advice would you give a startup founder who wanted to start their own um, MGA? Let's leave it at MGA yeah. for now. Right. Um, so, so, so. Look, I think that the, for me, um, you know, I'll touch on both those things. So for firstly, for me, to be a carrier is more expensive, is more cumbersome from a regulatory perspective, uh, and therefore is, uh, is uh, can be a distraction. Um, and, uh, and the other thing that's really interesting, you know, of course we've taken it seriously, right? I mean, like, we'd be crazy not to have considered it properly. But the, but the economics, coming back to this conversation about economic basis, there's no justification for doing it on an economic basis. Now, there may be in some insurance lines, and I'm definitely not saying that this does not apply to everybody, but, uh, but, in, but for PET, where PET has this unbelievably interesting feature, where it is um, actually, it, it, for multi-line players like a reinsurer, uh, adding in PET brings down the capital requirements of the player um, 
it's uh, it has a massive positive diversification effect. Um, and so the unit economics or the insurance economics of being a carrier as a monoline carrier Got it. look worse than as being an MGA where you reinsure out all of the risk to a multi-line player. Now that may be unique to PET, I don't know. Uh, and maybe this advice does not work uh, to other lines. But, uh, but in the marketplace that we are in, uh, obviously exclusively in and around PET, uh, we are definitely, definitely not short um, of opportunities uh, for, for capacity. In fact, I, I join you just from a, uh, literally the previous session I was on was with a, a capacity provider that I only know a little bit, uh, ringing to try and persuade us to give them, for, for, for us to use some of their capacity, their business writing capability. Um, and, uh, and we get this all the time. Like we get this a lot of the time. Um, and then to your second question, um, what advice do I give? I mean, I'm, it's kind of a, like a very broad question, so I'm not quite sure I can, uh, I can answer it for everybody. Um, but I do think that there is an important message around focus um, about like trying not to run before you can walk, do the right things in the right order and don't expect to be great at everything. Um, you know, we are, to your opening comment, we are unusual in focus. Um, and, you know, we've gone in the opposite direction of what most businesses do. We've kind of gone further and further and further into the point of focus. Mm -hmm. And um, and this has enabled us to really, really understand our marketplace, um, to understand our customer base, to understand the potential opportunity space, um, and really to create compelling offerings that would be harder if we were doing four or five or ten different lines at the same time. But you see, but you see the, this uh, over and over again. So in our company, we do Morris Advice. We started 10 years ago as an independent financial advisor. And then, and then we saw there was a change of regulation in the mortgage space. And then we also shut down all the other stuff. And it, was in, it took us more than a year, exactly the same year, just also telling. And then, and then let's say from, from hindsight, we should have done it much earlier, much quicker. Um, uh, uh, but but was, it, it was a big relief. So everybody was, people were preparing the website. Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy we can take all the other stuff out and only try to focus on this content, etc., or this part of advice or this part of uh, client. So I, I see this over and over uh, all the time, but it takes, it takes just a certain amount of time before these teams uh, find out where to, where to, where to, let's say, um, uh, focus on and, and then, and then try to, uh, Let's say get much more, uh, bigger market share, and then perhaps also go abroad. So, so uh, I'm I'm very curious how you decide on where to expand uh, next. That eh? is on the, the the first step is okay. You 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 focus on 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 pet, and then you say okay, why why Sweden or what countries did you consider, and why Sweden or yeah. why US or what what are the experiences yeah. or what, what what did you think about uh, yeah. this whole decision process? So, so it's an excellent question. So why Sweden? Many people ask me why Sweden, because obviously it's not the world's largest marketplace. Um, and the answer is really simple. So it has actually a few aspects to it. Um, the first is that Sweden is by some significant margin, the most sophisticated pet insurance marketplace in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, let me explain what that means. 
Uh, pet insurance was invented in Sweden uh, in the 1890s, um, and therefore it has been there the longest. Uh, and the implication of that is that the marketplace is the most penetrated. So six in 10, 60% of pet owners in Sweden insure their pets. Uh, everybody knows it, it's well understood, it's a marketplace that works very, very well. By contrast, by the way, the, the UK where pet insurance arrived in the 1940s, only 30% of, of pet owners buys pet insurance. Um, so, so reason one is that if you're going to be great at something, you have to go to the marketplace where yeah. you'll really get tested the hardest. Um, and advice. we were able to bring some capability from the UK to Sweden that didn't exist in Sweden, but we brought a lot of things back from Sweden to the UK that the UK hadn't had. And a, a great example of the second one is that uh, we were the first provider in the UK to offer Televet um, that we had seen working very well in the Swedish marketplace yeah. and we brought it to the UK. Um, so that's reason one. Reason two um, was a Brexit hedge. So at the time, none of us knew what was going to happen uh, as a result of Brexit. And we were very worried about our European passporting capability from the UK. And so we went to Sweden with a completely separate standalone license from which if we want to, we, can, we could passport into the rest of Europe. Now, as it turns out, that may have turned out to be unnecessary. We still don't really know. Um, but that was the second reason. Uh, and the third, um, which is one that I don't talk about very often, uh, when we launched in the UK, we used a third party platform in the middle of our uh, functionality. No customer ever touched it, but the policy admin system was a third party platform. Um, and we launched into Sweden with our own end to end tech. And it was a great opportunity to test it in live with thousands of customers or hundreds and thousands of customers. Uh, rather than doing it in the UK, where we have hundreds of thousands of customers. Um, and so it was a kind of a great way to test in live the functionality that we've obviously now brought back to the UK. Um, uh, I like that very much, especially the first um, point you made is excellent. Because if you talk about, for instance, ecosystems or biotech, people would say we have to go to Boston because that's world's ecosystem for biotech. But in the startup community, you often think, okay, they already have 60% of the, or they have the highest coverage, let's yeah. take another country. But exactly to go there, which is a little bit counterintuitive sometimes yep. for some people, that you go there where the market is the toughest, makes if you, if you are able to survive there or even gain market share, it gives yeah. you enormous a competitive advantage um, if you yep. want to do the next step and, and become a global player. I'll give you an example of something else that we did as a result of being in Sweden. So uh, in the UK, every single provider in the UK says that if you go to that provider, you cannot make a claim for the first two weeks. Um, so there is a two week exclusion period from, for claiming. In Sweden, this does not exist. And, uh, and the rationale for the, uh, for the two week exclusion is that it prevents fraud so that you don't find out that your pet is unwell, buy the insurance cover, uh, and then go to the vet the following day. In Sweden, they've worked out how to offer for switching customers no exclusion period without increasing fraud. We learned how to do that in Sweden, 
And so now we are the only provider in the UK that offers this. Yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah that's... Um, and, 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 and then to your question about the US, um, the US is the fastest growing pet insurance marketplace in the world. Uh, the last two years, it has grown at 25% per annum. Um, the penetration rate, so remember it was 60% in Sweden, 30% in the UK. It is just 2% in the US. Yeah. Um, and it's growing very fast. So imagine the opportunity for us. We've been in the, the UK is the largest market. Sweden is the most penetrated market. Mm -hmm. And now we're taking all of the knowledge of all of that yeah. to the fastest growing marketplace. Yeah, would be a nice uh, metrics to put uh, the different parts in. Yeah, no, it's, it's from a strategic point of view, excellent. And especially if you then would just take the amount of of uh, the, the the size of the market, yep. or the amount of the pets, and you also would add them. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I don't know how how many times is the US. So uh, I can tell you the size, size of the UK or Sweden or something like that. Huh? So uh, so the the current marketplace uh, in terms of premium. The UK is the largest, uh, about 1.5 billion sterling. Um, the US is is smaller but growing faster, uh, mm -hmm. about two thirds of the size. Sweden is is a fifth of the size and growing the slowest. Mm -hmm. But in terms of pets, to your question, Tom, it's completely the other way around. Right? Yeah, the sure. number of the number of pets in the US dwarfs um, any any other country in the world. So, how many pets are there in the US? Probably well, I think I, I can quote you a number, but I'm but I'm not sure. I, I'm okay. not sure it's a robust number. Okay. Um, so I think the I think the answer is 80 million, but I mean I'm really yeah. not sure that that's correct. It's a market um, sizing exercise, like a consulting intervention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly, but exactly. but it, but it's it, it's an excellent example of yeah. that you focus on the quality and then export the knowledge you have gained in one market into the another huge market. Uh, where there's a, a very small penetration. So um, out of out of interest, I kind of from 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 our family background, which is um, actually quite similar. I think you know classic car insurance and pet insurance are very much alike in the sense I believe it's it's very emotionally charged. Um, you know, but for the right reasons or wrong reasons, you know, that I leave that to everyone else to decide. But it's very emotional, and um, it's probably one of the few insurance products that you are you know really focused on um what they did um to to grow what they had um three channels they had their direct channel very much like you their own brand and they acquired them they partnered with um their um pool of insurers to provide uh, because this is in in um, continental europe you have a lot of tight agents still like writing business so not a lot of broker that offered the product as a you know third-party product and they work with brokers directly is this something you do as well or do you focus on the direct route because of your experience with owning the customer uh, journey and the advice just just if you could walk us through that sure so we are very focused on the direct marketplace um we don't use brokers anywhere although not human brokers anyway um, so price comparison in the UK is important to us. Um, so I don't think that you include price comparison in the broker description, Nick. I don't think that's how you... It's funny. I think usually it's... They are usually registered as a broker, I think, in most, yeah. but are usually 
factored into the direct channel because that's where most yeah. direct insurers get their juice from. <laughs> yeah, so actually, I don't, uh, I don't think about them as being direct, but I definitely don't think about them as being intermediated either. Um, and, and we have some distribution partners as well. Uh, but to your earlier question, direct remains the most important route to market for us. So by, with, by inference, would that mean that um, how could insurers um, work with you just on the capacity side or are there other ways of, you know, I'm thinking there's other markets, there's lots of knowledge, um, there might be market access. How, how or would that defocus a little bit? Um, let's say I'm an insurance company in Switzerland, Germany or France. Could they work with you? I mean, so firstly, um, definitely, you know, we're always on the lookout for new capacity providers. I mean, it's not something that we need right now. We have actually, frankly, a really great uh, capacity set up right now, but, but you know, never say never. Um, and we have never, um, again, never say never in the future, but so far we have not manufactured for anyone else. Okay. Um, I think if there was an opportunity to do so that made sense, we would be open to it. Um, but it isn't something that we have done so far. Um, so, so you know, it's something that we we're live to, um, and we get a, we get asked to do it often, but we haven't found the right partner yet. Got it. Got it. Um, bit conscious of time. Um, maybe just what are any. Any highlights in store? I mean, um, for you know, twenty twenty one and 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 beyond. What's what's kind of what's going to happen? What's what's what are you most excited about? <laughs> so we've got a pretty big agenda ahead of us. Um, we are currently two hundred and fifty staff. Uh, on budget recruitment takes us to another two hundred and ninety, uh, which is kind of a little bit daunting, if I'm honest. Um, so is that plus two ninety or plus forty? Plus two ninety. Yeah, that's okay. For what period uh, of time? Over a year. Okay, so double. Yes, um, we we have some very big growth aspirations, and we need to do a lot of uh, capability building in house to be able to deal with that. So, as you will be unsurprised to know, we're doing the capability building ahead of being uh, of doing the growth, not the other way around. Um, and so that's, that's kind of interesting from our perspective. Um, we don't have any new geographies lined up, but, but we're very much thinking about where, where next. Uh, we're only live in one state in the US, and so we've got 49 more and DC to get to do. Which um, one was it? New York? We're in Illinois. Iowa? We're Illinois to start with. Illinois. I thought like Iowa is a good, I learned that they have a, it's a good, test state or something and new york is really where you get your <laughs> your head slapped around from the regular uh, well the, the the four large states in america uh, of california texas florida and new york are the hardest ones from a regulatory perspective to get approval for um illinois is an interesting state um it is a mixture of rural and city and obviously chicago is a big city mm -hmm. um so it's a great place to start at least we thought it was a great place to start so we can learn uh, different consumer behaviors in, in different in different parts of, of kind of rural versus urban life um, and it's so so that that kind of gives us a lot to do um, and then we've got some new tech developments coming down the road um, which everyone can look out for which will be quite exciting so so we've got a lot going on awesome no I mean it 
it sounds super exciting um you know lots to best of luck and and you know keep winning i mean it's 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 really that's our plan really aspirational to watch you guys um and it certainly makes my life a lot easier because it's always so you know if you want to have an example of you know a, a good go-to-market you know at least have a look at what you guys are doing and then you can intentionally decide not to but i mean i still have we've launched two pet insurance products for some of our um clients and um they never heard of your name before we've mentioned them and i'm like how is that possible um you know and there's so much to um there's so much i think you know what you've said is i think there's so much to at least learn and then to adapt but um you know i'm a big i'm a big fan <laughs> good may good. i may i may i ask you one last question about your you can ask two last questions Tom. <laughs> Cor now i'm very curious about your lessons learned or experiences with munich re okay because, because i think they were they were pretty smart in moving pretty fast yeah if you just take the size of the company and 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 I mean pretty old-fashioned, uh, big uh, incumbent, etc. But then suddenly they were moving very fast in this space. So I'm very curious what your experiences are, uh, because pro I, I guess that a lot of people are just uh, listening to this uh, podcast who are perhaps also trying to uh, to build uh, insurtech startups. Sure. So and um, so. Uh, we met, or I met Andy Rea, who was the person who eventually set up Digital Partners at Munich Re. Mm -hmm. um, at the time in our history, when we were thinking of making this move to being more focused in a small number of areas, and in fact, it was the end of 2015, so we were very much uh, in the middle of that journey. Um, and I talked to him about what we were looking for, and he took me to the Munich Re uh, reinsurance board to talk to them about what we were looking for. Um, and that meeting on January the 18th of 2016 um, was the, uh, the starting point for Munich Re's agenda. The stars aligned, if you like. Uh, I didn't know that this was something that they were already thinking of doing but we presented them with an opportunity to get going. Andy had publicly said that we were the cornerstone um, of, of Digital Partners, which is lovely. And I'm delighted that, uh, that we have a very long standing and, and mutually fruitful uh, experience with them. And, and uh, Andy now isn't part of that, but um, the, the two individuals who now run it, Alex Lay and Charlie Burgess, we very much know well. Um, and we're very excited about what they're doing with the next phase of the growth of that business. So it's been a really good experience. Uh, we, uh, we work with them in Sweden um, and we work with them, but not exclusively with them in the US. Good. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's, that's also the impression that you probably yeah. were the first and, and let's say creating also space for others to follow you. Yeah. You can have Thank one you. more question with pleasure. Thank I'm that, or are there are there are, are there any things let's say or mistakes in the in this kind of things uh, because let's say on the strategy part it's uh, I think uh, amazing and excellent people can uh, enormously learn uh, from you are there also things let's say in hindsight where you say okay this is a huge mistake uh, try to avoid this um, so so firstly I don't uh, I don't regret anything that's not how I think about life. 
Um, so I don't look back and go, oh, if we'd only done this. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, yeah, there are some things that I wish we'd done faster or quicker. So I think that we could have made the transition from being an introduced to provider earlier, but we would not have met Munich Re at the time and because they weren't ready for this. So maybe that would have been too hard. Um, and so that, that's hard to know. Um, the, the, the COVID experience has been a really interesting one for us, um, where we, you know, in, in lockdown, everyone has wanted to be a pet owner and we really have, um, it's been a very positive experience for us as a business and we've enjoyed that. We've grown fast and, and tried to hold everyone, in, hold everybody, uh, through that process of obviously working from home has been, has had its toll. Um, and uh, and we sent everyone to work home, work from home before the government asked us to. Um, I think that, I mean, clearly it was not possible to have known what the situation was going to be like. Um, but we acted as fast as we could have done at that time. Um, I, 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 we are, fortunately, we have had very little impact on the individuals who work for us. Um, and I would have had lots of regrets if that had not been true. Uh, but we, but we told everyone to go home and to stay at home. Um, and, uh, and I think that um, we are opening very, very cautiously, very slowly. Uh, Sweden is open, the US is not, and the UK is not. Um, and I think that I would be, I would, to your question, I would feel very reluctant to do things faster than we are. Um, you know, I think that if in a year's time we, we rushed to open and I looked back, I think I would regret that. Yeah, uh, we have the same opinion. Everybody's working from home since the uh, first lockdown a year ago. Mm. Okay, thank you very much. Very awesome. uh, inspiring. Stephen, thank you so much um, for your time. And, um, you know, best of luck. And hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, at some point, see you on the circuit again. Um, face yes, I look forward to that too. Excellent. Perfect. Tom, Nick, very good to see you yeah. again. Thank Cheers. you very much. Bye, Stephen. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.